Understanding mental health struggles can be tough. That's why I created Therapy in a Nutshell to help make complicated therapeutic topics easy to understand and learn. I'm Emma McAdam, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is the Therapy in a Nutshell podcast. These episodes don't replace the need for mental health professionals or the advice given by doctors, but they provide options, resources, and skills that can help you in your journey to better your own mental health or help those around you who may be struggling. If you want to find more resources or if you want to learn about courses I offer on specific mental health topics, please stop by my website at therapyinanutshell.com. Now, let's jump into this week's skill. When you're feeling stressed, depressed, angry, or helpless, you usually feel like some thing is making you feel that way. Like, oh, crappy drivers make me angry. My incompetent boss makes me stressed. The fact that I overshared too much at book club, that makes me anxious. But here's the thing, right? Researchers have found that usually it's not external factors that make you feel this way. It's irrational thinking that fuels many of these intense emotions. And most of the time, we're not even aware of the types of thoughts that make us feel this way. Dr. Albert Ellis, one of the founders of CBT, described three types of thinking that make people upset. And because they all involve the word must, he calls it masturbating. I hope that doesn't get me demonetized. Okay, so in this video, you'll learn to recognize these three forms of irrational thinking so that you can replace them with healthier thoughts and be calmer, happier, and solve problems without feeling like a helpless victim. So, Let's get better at feeling. Okay, real quick, if you wanna learn more skills from CBT, and specifically how to stop worrying, check out our online course, Worry Free, where psychologist Nick Wignall teaches three essential strategies to stop worrying. I used to wake up in the middle of the night worrying, and I used to worry throughout the day, like all the time, and this course taught me how to decrease that worry by like 70%. So if you're interested in learning more, check out the link in the description. Okay, so before we get going, I want you to bring to mind your latest incident that made you upset. And I want you to write this down on a piece of paper because putting this into practice is gonna help you way more than just watching this video. That's right, you've got homework. And I can't even give you an A, so you'll have to settle for happiness. Okay, so write it down. Why are you upset? What happened? You can pause the video if you need to. Okay, going back to Albert Ellis, he was a famous American psychologist who developed rational emotive behavior therapy, which is kind of like CBT's daddy. REBT is the Madonna to CBT's Lady Gaga. And in his theory, Ellis identified three musts that people often hold, which can contribute to emotional distress. And that's what CBT is all about. It's about changing thinking patterns to improve your mental health. So the musts are a set of rigid, absolute beliefs that people hold about themselves and others and the world around them. There are three main musts in Ellis's theory, which are, number one, I must do well and be approved of by everyone I meet, or else I'm no good. Number two, others must treat me fairly and kindly and always consider my feelings. If they do not treat me this way, they are not good people and deserve to be punished. And number three, I must always get what I want, when I want it, and if I don't, I'm miserable. 
Wow, our minds are real jerks sometimes, huh? It's a wonder we spend any time with ourselves. Now, at the center of this is the belief that life shouldn't be the way that it is. This type of thinking makes you anxious, depressed, or angry. But you can totally learn to feel happier and healthier when you learn Ellis's system for changing this type of thinking. And the first step is learning to identify these thoughts in yourself. So let's do some examples with must number one. I must do well and be approved of by everyone I meet. For example, a high school student who feels pressure to get perfect grades and excel in sports because they believe they must meet everyone's expectations. Uh, this was totally me as a teenager, and yes, I was very cool. Not, nah. all right. Okay, a person who struggles with social anxiety, they're afraid of rejection because they think they have to be liked by everyone they meet, right? This often ends in avoiding social situations, by the way. Someone who spends a lot of time and money on their appearance, their possessions, or their lifestyle because they believe they have to impress everyone and be seen as successful or be seen as attractive to everyone. Um, a parent who feels inadequate and guilty because they believe they must be the perfect parent and they must meet their child's every need, even at the expense of their own well-being. Take a minute and check your problem that you wrote down for this kind of thinking. Like, do you catastrophize if you don't perform perfectly? Do you feel like an anxious wreck if you think someone might not like you? I mean, it's okay. Like, you're not broken, or I guess we're all broken. I mean, either way, you're not alone. A lot of people do this. And we'll talk about some options to challenge this and change this as the video goes on. Okay, so let's talk about number two. Here's some examples of people who may believe, you know, others must treat me fairly and kindly and always consider my needs and feelings. Like that sounds kind of ridiculous, but I bet you're gonna relate to some of this. You get angry or offended when someone doesn't agree with you. You feel hurt or rejected when a friend cancels plans and doesn't respond to your messages right away because you believe they should prioritize your needs and make time for you. Um, an employee gets frustrated and demotivated when their boss doesn't give them positive feedback or recognition because they believe that others must always acknowledge their hard work and talent. Or someone who expects their romantic partner to fulfill all of their emotional and physical needs because they believe others must always consider their feelings. Now, you can see how the belief in others must treat me fairly and kindly and always consider my feelings and needs. This can lead to unrealistic expectations and disappointment and conflict in relationships. So check your problem for this that you wrote down, right? If this section made you feel kind of angry, that's a good thing. I mean, I'm not happy that you're mad, but it means that you're at least doing well with identifying the problems. It'll give you like a little virtual gold star there. Okay, so let's check out faulty belief number three, which is that the world must give me what I want when I want it. Let's look at some examples. I deserve a promotion at work because I've been here for a year and the company owes it to me. Or I shouldn't have to wait in line at the grocery store. They should open up more registers because I'm in a hurry. Or if I don't get the grade that I want on the test, that teacher is so unfair and she doesn't know how to grade properly. Or, it's not fair that I have to pay for this parking ticket. I shouldn't have to follow the rules just because the government says so. Right? We all desperately want the world to be fair and kind. And none of us like to think of ourselves as like that purple girl in Willy Wonka. Not for sale. Name your price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? A man with a funny hat. I want one. I want a golden goose. But the truth is, I think we slip into this thinking a lot more often than we realize. The other day I was working with a client and she was just kind of going on this rampage and getting very upset and very worked up that she has to work for money and that basic necessities like food are not just 
given to her and provided. Now, I can understand and empathize with the plight of people who are living paycheck to paycheck and making, you know, near minimum wage, uh, how difficult that is to live. But it's not helpful. It doesn't serve a function to spend hours and hours getting really worked up about this. It's probably better to devote that energy elsewhere, right? We all, we all desperately want the world to be fair and kind, but when we don't get what we want, we are sometimes like toddlers, right? We throw a little fit when it isn't the way we want it to be. Okay, so have you checked out your original problem for any of these three kinds of thinking? The good news is that you can take the fuel out of these types of emotions and CBT has a really concrete system for teaching you how to do it. So there's five steps. Step number one is identify the belief. Hopefully we just did that. Step number two is to challenge the belief, not to a duel, but sort of. Okay, number three, replace the belief. Number four, practice new behaviors. And then number five is to monitor and celebrate progress, possibly with ice cream. So here's an example, right? Let's say you went to a book club, you may have overshared. Now you're having like serious anxiety, worrying about what everyone thinks about you. And you're feeling anxious and you feel like you never wanna go out in public again. So number one, identify the belief. The root of this problem is not what you said at book club. The root of this problem is the belief that I need everyone to approve of me all the time or else I'm bad. It's the belief that I have to perform perfectly to be accepted and I have to be accepted by everyone to be a good human being. So that takes us to number two where we challenge the belief, right? Ask yourself questions like, do I have evidence that I must be approved by everyone? Is it realistic that everyone should like me? Is it really true that everyone must think poorly of you because you may have overshared in a conversation? Could it be possible that they are not judging you as harshly as you think? Are you being fair to yourself by assuming the worst case scenario? How would you feel if someone else had had this thought about themselves after a conversation with you? Would you automatically judge them negatively or would you try to be understanding and supportive? And, and then you could also ask yourself as you challenge this belief, like how does this belief affect me? What are the consequences of holding this belief? So these are a bunch of ways to challenge your thoughts. And a good therapist is gonna do this with you. I'm trying to teach you some of the ways to do this on your own. So check out your thought from your paper and see like how can you challenge this thought? Number three, replace the belief. Choose something that's more realistic or helpful. So you might say, oh, it's okay. It's okay if I overshare it in the conversation as long as I didn't harm anyone, right? I can learn from this experience. I can be more mindful in future conversations. Or you could think, oh, it's not my responsibility to control how others think or feel about me. I can only be true to myself and I can trust that others will respect and appreciate me for who I am. Uh, or you could say, oh, I can give myself credit for being open and honest in the conversation, for having the courage to share my thoughts and feelings. And this can help me connect with others on a deeper level. And I admire that trait in other people, right? So we replace that belief with like, okay, this is more helpful. So now that we've challenged those thoughts and replaced them, step number four is to practice new behaviors that align with your new way of thinking. So for example, like don't stop going to social activities. Uh, continue to express yourself and you know, stop yourself from ruminating about social experiences. Then number, number five is to monitor progress. Watch yourself for any signs of success, right? Are you developing closer relationships with your friends because you're sharing about yourself? Are you starting to feel more confident? Are you starting to look forward to book club because you enjoy the good conversations? Or you just you know, like getting out of the house? And you know, after a social activity, 
Are you being nicer to yourself? Get, paying a lot of attention to positive outcomes actually increases dopamine and motivation. It's, a, it's an essential part of the feedback loop and it helps you be more motivated to challenge your thinking in the future and to do more activities that line up with the life that you wanna live. And pretty soon the new belief system can become automatic and habitual. Okay, let's do one more example real quick, right? Do you get super angry when you're driving? Do you think, oh my gosh, everyone is a terrible driver and they all need to get off the road? Okay, let's identify the must. I would say that this is most likely number two. Others must treat me fairly and kindly and always consider my needs and feelings. And believing this makes you angry, right? Someone's slow to drive when the light turns green. Can't they see that I'm in a hurry? Like, spoiler alert, they definitely can't. <laughs> uh, someone's driving slow in the fast lane. What the heck are you doing? You're so inconsiderate to my need to get there three minutes faster right? It's all about me, my needs. How come people can't understand that? Even if someone is driving really dangerously and erratically, it's not super helpful to think everyone else needs to, has to be responsible for my safety. And if they aren't, I'm going to get really angry and yell in my car. And I'm going to throw a tantrum because that's going to make sure these roads are safer right? Okay, to everyone out there who doesn't use sarcasm in their culture, I am so sorry. I tend to use sarcasm sometimes. That was sarcasm. You're welcome. You've gotten two lessons for the price of one, <laughs> which is probably zero because you're watching this on YouTube and YouTube is free. Okay, so going back to driving, you're angry because none of the other drivers are spending their drive thinking about your needs. So let's just start by challenging that thought. Is it really true that everyone's a terrible driver? Nah, you might be making some sweeping assumptions there, right? Are you being fair to other drivers by assuming that they're all incompetent or dangerous? Could it be possible that they're just doing the best they can in their circumstances? How would you feel if someone else had this thought about you? Like, what about the times you've been slow to start when the light turns green? Would it be fair to judge you based on a few mistakes or errors? Okay, and then let's just try to replace that thought with something more helpful, right? Like, oh, you know, some of these drivers might be inexperienced or they make mistakes, but most of them are probably doing their best to be responsible on the road. Um, or to say something like, oh, it's okay if other drivers aren't perfect as long as they're following the rules. Or you could say something like, okay, I'm not the police. It's not my job to make sure every driver follows all the rules, right? I, it's just my job to get where I'm getting safely. But then you might say, but Emma, like what if they are actually endangering me? What if, like what if they're being terrible? Is it okay to get mad and throw a tantrum then? Well, is that gonna help you? If other people are endangering you, let's focus on what you can control. You can practice defensive driving. You can pull over and call the police. Either of these options is probably more helpful than just being really angry and thinking about how idiotic the other drivers are, right? And your mental health is more important than spending all this time thinking other people must change, other people should change, right? It's just This is about directing your energy toward what's gonna actually help you. Okay, so let's practice number four, which is you know developing new behaviors. I'm gonna say, let's try some mantras here to be more patient and forgiving of other drivers. Or you just focus on your own defensive driving skills. Or you could just practice um, some compassion, right? Sometimes when I see someone doing something like super annoying, I just think, oh, like, I hope your day goes well. Bless you, right? May it be well with you. Because if they're doing something idiotic, they're probably having a hard time in their life and they could probably just use some love. Plus it makes us less judgmental and angry inside. Okay, so number five, 
let's just check in with yourself. Is practicing this making you less angry on your drives? Are you able to enjoy yourself a little bit more when you arrive home and you feel a little bit more relaxed? Just notice like every little victory and that's gonna make it easier and easier to change your brain. Okay, so now's your chance to go through this process with your issue that you started with at the beginning of the video. Identify, challenge, replace, practice, reward, repeat. Okay, I hope this video was helpful. Thank you for watching and take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found something you can add to your daily routine that makes your life just a little bit better. If you want to learn more about topics like how to process tough emotions, how to change your brain, how to build better relationships, or support someone you know with a mental illness, then check out my classes at therapyinanutshell.com. And if you feel like these podcasts have been a benefit to you, please leave a rating so others can more easily find this content. Thank you so much and have a great day.